Yeah, y'all must have sent a flyer out. <laughs> Can y'all hear me out there? Okay. Uh, thank you, River. My name is Earl Rees, and I am alcoholic. Hey, Earl. Uh, I have a sobriety date. It's March 15, 2015, and for that, I'll be very grateful for the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and God of my understanding. It keeps me walking one day at a time. Uh, be surrounded by people like you. Um, it won't always like that, of course, um, but uh, let me get some other stuff out of the way first before I jump right into it. Uh, and, uh, that prayer that Jerry threw on me back there has got me going already, so I was got ready to, ready to jump in it, Jerry. Uh, um, got a few credentials I guess I need to make sure I, I do. I, I have a sponsor. I'm current with that sponsor. Uh, I sponsor other men, um, and I am a part of the uh, primary purpose group of Wilson of Alcoholics in Wilson, North Carolina. Uh, some of y'all have been to our home group and because uh, I see a lot of familiar faces out there. And, uh, we uh, also meet on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, we've got a gentleman doing the same thing I am right this moment. Uh, uh, I'd rather be back there watching him do his first <laughs> uh, uh, go around on behind the podium, but uh, thank you for asking me. I'm honored to do anything for Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, yeah, I was talking with my sponsor and he kind of he kind of more or less drives me to the meet uh, every time I speak. I'll call him, and for some reason he always knows how far I'm going because he'll talk me near about all the way up to the door that I'm coming to. Uh, so I guess that's just a lot of, lot of him traveling. Might not, might have something on my car, or GPS, and knows where I'm at. <laughs> so uh, again, I, I really appreciate y'all uh, and having me. And this is a big crowd. It's a nice crowd out here. Um, hello, Zoom people. Um, <laughs> It's good to get behind a podium. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a while since I've been behind a podium. Now I've done several Zoom meetings uh, behind my kitchen table, um, but it's nothing like standing behind a podium and uh, and seeing people and seeing reactions and stuff like that. You kind of miss that when you're doing a talk over at a monitor at your house. Um, so uh, I'll start. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm described in the uh, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm the real alcoholic. I, I drove it to the bottom of the earth to drink as hard as I could for as long as I could until uh, yeah, it just about took me out two or three times. Um, I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I was, uh, I guess I wasn't alcoholically drinking like I wanted to in South Carolina, but it started. Um... This didn't get me going, I don't think, but I like to say it uh, because it gets me uh, kind of out of self and, and gets uh, him coming and, and I'll move out the way and he'll take over. But I always like to say this, and uh, eight or nine years old, me and a buddy of mine, uh, my brother's 10 years older than I am. He's supposed to be watching us that, uh, that evening. My parents, they were at a uh, convention one weekend and uh, my father, we worked for an oil company, so he was always somewhere getting stuff, bringing back home. Uh, he just so happened to bring a couple of uh, figurines. One was of J.R. Ewing, and one was of Elvis Presley. And uh, I'd been around a, a couple of years conscious of what liquor was already. I'm eight, nine years old. My father took a drink. My family on his side, they're from Johnson County, so I knew what alcohol was. <laughs> uh, so uh, me and my buddy, we decided we wanted to crack open and uh, see what the red tape was all about. And next thing you know, uh, we heard it sloshing, and, and we... We drank them. Um, I'm not saying that I felt that magic that night at eight years old, but uh, I felt a tail whooping that evening. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, so we done that, and um, 
I can safely say that uh, that Jr. died that night because we uh, <laughs> we drank that one completely, and uh, my brother he took the rap for it. Um, so I did I did uh, understand what uh, I guess uh, enabling was because he was going to take care of his little brother, make sure I didn't get in trouble for nothing, uh, even though he got his Chevelle taken away from him for about a week, but uh, he, he didn't mind. Um, my parents separated and divorced when I was probably a year older than that, maybe 10 years old. And uh, so my mother, uh, she raised me by herself, uh, more or less. And, uh, you know, I, I am a true blue mama's boy. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, I was the golden child. Anything I did was right. I never done anything wrong. Uh, anytime Earl got in trouble, here come mom. I had to just pick up the phone. It didn't matter how many times I went to jail. And how many matter how many times I got uh, locked out of the house, um, she would stop what she was doing to come make sure I was okay. Um, I guess 1989. It was right after Hugo came through Charleston. Uh, me and my mother moved to North Carolina, and um, you know I'm from Charleston, of course, and uh, I'm not used to what tobacco is. Uh, we don't have that in downtown Charleston or outside of Charleston. Um, so that was kind of a culture shock to me. And uh, so I had to figure out what to do. Uh, I guess one night um, I saw people doing stuff that was kind of odd to me. And uh, they like to uh, go build bonfires in the woods. Um, there again, I'm not used to none of this stuff in Charleston. You don't do that. You might do it on the beach occasionally, but you didn't do it in the woods and set woods on fire. But they were having just the greatest time doing this stuff, having bonfires in the country. Uh, so I knew that was a way for uh, me to come kind of get out of my shell and uh, be introduced to some people. And, you know, I, I was kind of a, I wouldn't say a loner when I first moved here, but uh, I didn't know how to act when I got here. I didn't know nobody. I just left all my family and friends in, in Charleston. And I was kind of a, uh, just wait for that moment to happen. And then uh, it was on. And it was on that one particular night. And uh, we went out to this bonfire and uh, I, that was probably, I guess, Two or three hundred people out there. I guess everybody in that whole high school showed up that night. And probably two or three other high schools combined. Um, but I got introduced to uh, some Goldschlager that night. And uh, the reason I liked it, because it was it had the nice little pretty gold things in it. And uh, who wouldn't think you'd get rich by doing that? And uh, so I did. Uh, somehow or another, I ended up waking up in a Volkswagen bug at the mall in Wilson. Um, at that moment, I had long hair. I had all my hair at the time. Um, but it was long, and uh, it was, I was coming right out of that mullet stage thing. And uh, I, had a, I had a little scruffy beard, and uh, I heard a car pull up, and I poked my head up and looked up, and the guy said, oh, my gosh, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, I thought, you know, these must be my friends. <laughs> um, so we... we we ended up being friends, all them, all them guys that pulled up, and because and, uh, they had to start telling me what I did that night. And uh, those were that uh, moments that I have no clue what I did. Uh, luckily, I know now I didn't hurt nobody or hurt anybody else or tear up anything. I just got drunk and shoved my tail. That's all I did. And that was fine with me. I didn't mind showing my tail. So. Every so often, I didn't mind taking my clothes off and go to running either. So uh, <laughs> I did that every so often. Um, but that night, uh, or that morning, I woke up and uh, I had the worst uh, headache, uh, the, the hangover that they uh, talk about. And uh, I remember my daddy saying one time uh, what the hair of the dog was. And I thought, you know what, if this guy's got a shot of that Goldschlager, I don't want it, but I'll take some brown liquor. 
because I never saw my father drink white liquor. He was a brown liquor guy. And uh, luckily he has some Crown Royal and uh, there you go. I'm off to the races again. Sobered up real quick uh, once I did that and didn't feel bad at all. Uh, time went by and you know I'm, uh, I'm getting more involved with these people. Uh, I'm 16 years old now. I've dropped out of school. That's kind of gone by the wayside. I'm not a big student. Uh, I don't need to be here. Uh, there's other things I need to be doing, uh, like chasing women and chasing parties and other other things that I can get into. Um, one particular woman I, I saw when I first moved to uh, North Carolina, and I told a buddy of mine, I said, I'm going to get a hold of that girl one day, and I'm going to marry her. And I chased her for about 10 or 15 years and finally did get my hooks in her. And we were drunk on the couch one night, and I said, well, you know what? We both like the same things. We both kind of do the same stuff. Uh, why don't you marry? Let, let's get married. Will you marry me? Sure. Um, that didn't last long, but we did get married. Um, it, uh, it was very uh, unhealthy marriage, what it was. Uh, two alcoholics. We were just beating each other up and stuff. Uh, not, I didn't never touch nobody, but we verbally beat each other up on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so that was it. that was the marriage. That was all I have of a marriage. Um, but uh, I got to uh, I got to mention a couple of things. Um, I'm not going to gloat about drinking and driving, but uh, I have got six of them. I did have six of them. Um, I did spend a, some time in the uh, North Carolina penitentiary system for that reason. Um, but, you know, after about two or three, I thought, I guess the normal people say, you know, why don't you quit drinking? Uh, that wasn't my deal. Uh, you know what? I'll find a way to get around all this stuff. But I like to talk about my first DWI and my last DWI. Uh, me and Randy were talking about this the other day at the house. Um, my first DWI, I was downtown Wilson. And uh, I know nobody knows anything about Wilson, but we used to have a party scene downtown. Um, and uh, I, I had walked in this bar, and I guess it was about 11 o'clock. Um, and I'm, I guess I was staggering a little bit because as soon as I put the keys in my uh, car, put the keys in the ignition, here come the law. And they'd go to tapping on my window and said, uh, you're going to have to step out. Um, this is about, I guess, Wilson had been introduced to the little blowing uh, apparatuses to see what you blew. And uh, so, uh, you know, I got to uh, blowing and blowing and blowing on that thing. Blowing just as hard as I could go. And uh, he couldn't, it, it was ticking him off. And it was really pissing that guy off that I couldn't blow. So I finally told him, I said, you know, I have asthma. That might be the reason why. He said, son, I think you need to go back into that bar and either find you someone to take you home or you stay in that bar. Well, I didn't want to tell him I didn't have asthma. I never had asthma. I've never had it in my life. But uh, that's where my mind took me that night. Let me think of something. Um, but he finally, uh, they finally uh, wised up themselves. They went around the corner away for me to come out about 2.30 that morning. Uh, they let me drive this time, so I don't want no doubt about it. So. DWI number one, DWI number six was, uh, um, I guess, about 2012. And um, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a, I guess, a runner to Charleston. I love to go back and forth, moving back and forth to Charleston. So I do that quite often. I uh, went this time, and uh, the ex-wife that I had at one time, um, you know what, when she calls for some reason out of the blue, and says, Earl, we need the grass mode over here. That's where I went. So all on my mind was, I'm going to cut grass. 
I don't know why she's calling me to do it, but I'm going over there anyway. I'm find out. And uh, so I was on my way to Charleston that afternoon, though, and I had uh, my truck, I mean, my Jeep packed and all that stuff, and uh, had a fifth of Jim Beam, and I had just quit my job a couple of days ago, and uh, I was a construction worker. Uh, I done, I took surveys and stuff like that, and water samples for the construction company I worked for. So I had my vest and my probing rod and my hard hat in the truck in the front seat with me for some reason. Uh, maybe God might have been trying to tell me something, but it, it won't. It was to his humor, I think. Um, I pulled up on a highway, uh, Highway 795 in Wilson, that I did not even know existed. I'd been away from the, from the area that long. Um, I was in my little hole of non-existence over in Johnson County for that long. I didn't even realize they'd build a new interstate in Wilson. Uh, but I was on that interstate, and all of a sudden I thought, well, I know this road a little bit. I see a sign. So I got off, and blue lights on one side, blue lights on the other. So my quick thinking, I took off straight into that cornfield, right at the back of the field. And I jumped out of that Jeep so fast to have a hard hat on and a vest. And I reached back there in that seat and grabbed that probing rod, and I went to probing. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh... All I could hear in the distance was that Dodge, and she was coming. Um, he pulled up and uh, asked me what I was doing, of course. I told him I was taking soil samples. He said, we're going to be laying through here in the next couple of days. Um, he walks around my Jeep and, and looks in the front seat, and he said, well, what are you going to do, pour this Jim Beam back in the holes? Uh, he got me. He got me. I didn't put up a fight. I said, you know what? And he looked at me. He said, you know, Mr. Reese, if, uh, if I'd have never walked over there, I'd have probably let you go. I'd have probably let you go. But I needed to get stopped that day because I was very intoxicated. I probably would kill somebody driving. Um, but uh, that's, my, that's my drinking for that stuff because that didn't make me alcoholic. I was already alcoholic for all that. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm probably in my mid-20s. Um, me and Shannon have just, uh, we have just got a divorce. Um, the day that we got into it and said, uh, we're not going to do this anymore. You know, I, I, I think back now that, uh, that was a good time that, uh, that alcohol really showed up and started putting his hands on me and holding me down. Um, and, uh, from that day until, uh, March 15th, you know, it's, uh, it was on. And, uh, but I, uh, I, I went to places that I never thought I'd ever go. Um, I saw a lot of my family members dying of alcoholism. Uh, uh, quite a few of my uncles died of liver disease, and uh, I knew what that was. Uh, at the time, you know, I didn't want to believe that that had something to do with alcohol. I just didn't. Uh, my mind was so far gone. <coughs> um, I, get to, uh, I get to a point where I'm starting to, uh, starting to feel my body messing up on me it ain't doing right but uh i'm my ego's so big i ain't i'm not dare gonna tell anybody that i hurt um i just won't do it um i went back to charleston one weekend i thought i'd make a go of it um not legit but i thought if i go move in with my my cousins in charleston or in somerville i'll be okay they get me a job another construction company you can drink up there and five o'clock in the morning you can stop and get you a old cobra and be good to go and uh, so that was good. Snake bite at five o'clock is is the way to go for me that, at that point in time. Come lunchtime, a, a good old Rick, she was ready. Um, but uh, we have a a lake uh, or I guess a river 
and uh, right there outside of Somerville, it's called Edsto River. And that I had swung in, swam in and swung off a vine off a tree ever since I was a child. Well, at 40 years old, I'm down there thinking, you know what? Them young kids are doing it, the same thing that I used to do. And these kids couldn't have been but 18 years old. But my 40-year-old mind thought, well, hell, if they can do it, I can do it. So my drunk tail shimmied up that tree, had cowboy hat and all on. I was ready. About the time I got 25 to 30 feet up that tree, I lost all control. My nerves just went rampant. And I shook and thought I could hold on, but I didn't, and fell right out of that tree into the river. Uh, it knocked me out okay. Um, they uh, woke me up on the sandbar, and I think the first thing I asked for was, where's my cowboy hat and where's the beer at? Um, they uh, got me back to the house, and uh, they tried to do the best they could and tell me that, or you might better go get checked. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Um, that's about the time I'm uh, getting up and uh, the next morning waking up and bloods starting to come out. Um, you know, I didn't really think nothing of it. I thought I might have, you know, I, hell, I don't know what I thought. I just knew that uh, something didn't look right. Blood just don't look right coming out of somebody's uh, throat. Um, that went on for about two or three days. Uh, get up in the morning, vomit take a few drinks, do that again, keep going. Um, all of a sudden, uh, I got a notion, you know what? Let me call mama. She'll know what to do. So I called mama and she said, come home. That's all she had to say. I said, well, I don't have no money. Well, I'm gonna wire you some money. I said, well, I got a, I got a bad front tire and my battery's bad. <laughs> so she sent me about $400 that day. Um, sent me that $400 and I convinced her I need to stay a couple more days. Make sure we get all the parts and stuff like that. And I'm not, I'm lying to this woman left and right. I've had so many more tires put on one Jeep. It's pathetic. <laughs> I think I even told her my bumper fell off one time over there in uh, Rivers Avenue in Charleston. I had, we had to get one order from California or something. It's just the lies that we do and, and the lies that I was doing. It's just pathetic. But, uh, my mother, uh, bless her heart, uh, she, uh, she didn't mind doing it. She just, she just didn't mind doing it. Um, I guess about uh, 2013, no, 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 let me back up, 2010, my brother decided he wanted to move in with us. Uh, with us, I, I said us, plural, me and mama. And, uh, and I'm working at a tobacco company at Wilson and I'm making damn good money, darn money. And um, so she convinced me to move out um, and and take my ten year old uh, ten year older brother than I was with me, because uh, Frankie needed some help. Uh, my brother had contracted the uh, love for drinking alcohol too at this point, and he's forty some years old. Uh, he was a late bloomer, but uh, he was with me, and that was the good thing that I heard was, Earl, can we go to the liquor store one night? And I knew I'd had a relationship back with my brother again because I'd never had one with him. Um, by the time I was eight or nine, ten years old, he's gone to the service. He's gotten married. He's moved to North Carolina. So me and my brother are able to get a relationship going there for a little bit. Um, some reason the relationship didn't work out, so I had to 
put him out because he drank all my liquor. Um, I'd come home and he'd have tea put in my, my Jim Bean bottles. And, stuff. <laughs> and uh, you can't do that. <laughs> um, my brother got real sick. I had to eventually move back in with mother because I couldn't pay the $200 rent a month. And mind you, I worked at a tobacco company. Um, but I moved back in with mother and uh, my brother started getting bad off. He started having health problems just like I did. He um, he got married. Uh, one night they called the house and uh, my sister-in-law said, your brother's uh, not doing well. He's uh, laying in the tub and he's throwing up blood. I said, we well, might want to call the ambulance. Said he won't go. He won't. He don't want that. So we give it a few minutes and then uh, she called back. She said, he still won't go. I said, well, I'll call any. I'll call for you. Don't worry about it. Um, it got my brother to the hospital and I had to get a few in me now. I, I got to drive, so I got to have a couple to drive. Um, and I raced over to uh, Smithfield at our hospital and uh, I walked into that back room and saw my brother and it was like somebody had slaughtered a hog back there. Every time he would open his mouth, it would shoot out. He looked at me and the last thing he ever said to me, he said, Bubba, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I walked out of that hospital room and uh, I was mad at God that day. I, I, I took my fear and anger and, and just drove it to the worst place I could ever think of. Um, and now I'm from Charleston. I'm a Southern boy. I know God, but I lost that relationship that day. Um, got home and uh, they called us the next day. I had to fly my brother to uh, Duke. Um, me and my mother, my nephew, they called and said, we need to see the family. And I'm pretty sure everybody knows when you need to see the family, it's probably not good, unless you're having a baby, um, <laughs> you know? But uh, we get up there and I told my mother, I said, I can't go in there and watch my brother die. And I was, I was sincere about that until I got a couple of Four Locos in me. I drank them things just as hard as I could go. We drove all the way to Durham my mother right beside me and I've got her in jeopardy doing all this stuff. Now, I'm never thinking about her safety or nothing like that. I'm just self-centered and selfish like that. I, don't, I didn't bother me. I get to the hospital and the doctor comes to us and uh, he said, your brother's got a 99.9% .9 chance of never opening his eyes. Mm -hmm. um, I knew my mother could not watch that for the rest of her life. My nephew was too young to make any kind of decision like that. But I had just enough in me to make a decision. And uh, I made that decision that day to uh, let my brother go. Because I knew my mother couldn't watch that. Um, he, uh, I laid there and you know, I listened to his last heartbeat. And I uh, still walked out of that hospital knowing my brother just died of alcoholism. We knew it. That doctor knew what, it, what the problem was. And um, walked out of that hospital and I told my mother, I said, you know, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do that again. Quit doing this. Quit doing blah, blah, blah. It wasn't until maybe uh, 11 o'clock the next afternoon when we were trying to figure out what about to do with the funeral. I had to have that drink. Had to have it. Um, my mother sat there uh, for a long time, and uh, she not really saw her oldest son pass away, but she watched her youngest son kill himself. And didn't, I didn't give her that opportunity to mourn her older son. 
And that was so selfish of me. <coughs> well, that's uh, that's when that happened, and we got to uh, about 2013, um, 2014. I'm uh, I'm getting to where I'm a. I mean, it's been going on and on. I'm just going to fasten, quicken it up right quick for you. Um, I'm drinking every day, all day. Um, I don't know when the sun's coming up or going down anymore. <coughs> still living with mom, still driving cars, you name it. Um, I'm going to the liquor store in the morning time on her behalf, almost, because she needs a biscuit. I, I wait for her to pop up. Say, Mom, you need a biscuit. Yes. Oh, God. And you know that... <laughs> That sense of ease and comfort would almost hit me right then when she said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. It got to where I'd get to the liquor store, and I'd have her money for her McDonald's biscuit, the key to the post office box, and I'd be sitting at the liquor store. And all I can think of, I'm sweating bullets, shaking all everywhere I can think of, and I'm thinking, I hope that guy gets here on time. I really do. He pulls up, and that... A little bit of sweat's starting to go away now. He pulls up, and I get a little better. And the next thing thought comes to me, I said, I hope he didn't leave them daggone keys at home. <laughs> I am going to be in a mess now. <clears throat> he gets the keys out, and luckily that happens, and I, I see him put it in the door. And I got out, man, and it was just like... Uh, it's, it's like the sun just rose, and I, could, I was just smiling for days when I saw him unlock that door that morning. I walked in, I said, Mr. Charles, can I get what I need to get? He said, yeah, I've already got it ready for you, Earl. And he knew it was killing me, but he knew it was keeping me alive. Because he knew how I was acting every time i go in there. And I didn't like to go get fists or half gallons. I was a pint guy. That might be why I got so many DWIs. Because every time I drink a pint, I got to get back on the road and drive somewhere. Um, so that... uh. He, uh, my brother passing away didn't, didn't even give me a notion to even want to stop. Um, like I said, I got to the point where I was, uh, doing things I never should have been doing. I was going to places that I never should have been and never thought I would have ever been going to. Um, I'm in the country one night and this is about all I got to say about, uh, a, even a thing, a piece of drug. I'm in the country one night, and all of a sudden, we, uh, we've been drinking for days. Um, out in Johnson County, you know, we always get bottles of good old liquor. Um, so uh, we go in this house, and I'm in a stranger's house, and I don't know none of these people. I half know the guys in the car. And there's this guy, there's this guy in there with a needle in his arm. And he looked at me. He said, Earl, you want to try this? I didn't blink an eye. I said, sure, I would. Sure, I would. For that man to pull it right out of his arm and dope it up and put it right in mine. Just like that. Not thinking about, you know what, what's going to happen? My mama, what's, what, is, what am I going to do with about What am I going to, who's going to take care of her if something happens to me? None of that ever crossed my mind. I got out of that house and uh, that, was, uh, that was a day I always re will remember. Because I knew that I had crossed too many lines that day to show up and for somebody to ask me that question and me think that quick. That quick. Um, it's 2015. Um, my mother has, uh, she's not in the best of health. Um, pro about, I guess, a, a year before we found out she had been diagnosed with uh, cancer, 
uh, a second time. Uh, I myself had uh, come home one afternoon and I'd been drinking for days um, and got the coughing out there in the driveway and, and I thought I was just my cheeseburger or something might have been coming up. But it won't. Um, I hit that bathroom and my esophageal varices had erupted. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I won't pray and if God, if this will stop, I won't drink anymore. God, if this stops, I'll appreciate it. Because this hurt. It hurts. Um, I laid out, passed out on the floor. Um, I think they said probably lack of blood. And um, they got me to the hospital. I stayed in the hospital for 38 days. They found out all, everything else that was wrong with me. Uh, I did have mid-stage cirrhosis that day. He did tell me that. Went along with a lot of other stuff. Um, and I looked at that doctor. I said, well, hmm. So that means I half a liver. Mid-stage, that means I got a little ways to go. That's my thinking. I still got more liver to go. There's a line in the big book. We read it the other night, two wives. It says it can't stop, even stop. He even stops by the store when he leaves the hospital. And I got to where I was doing that on a regular basis. I'd go to the hospital and get checked. Get my blood drawn, for God's sakes. Leave him go get me a pint. Um, I got out of that hospital and got home. And uh, within four days, four days, I was drunk again. Sitting on the front porch. Passed out. Mama comes home, bless her heart. And to mind you, I told you she had cancer and it come back. Um, uh, six months before my mother passed away, I'm in, the, in my bathroom. I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I cannot believe who I am or what I've become. Um, my face is gray. My eyes are yellow. Um, I'm just, I'm just nothing. I, I mean... I'm no existence to anybody anymore, and I don't want to be there anymore. Uh, there again, I get the coughing, and uh, I had a, uh, I thought we had this first thing beat. Uh, I get the coughing, here it goes again. I have busted it again. Yet, two times, my esophageal varices has erupted. They get me back to the hospital, and that doctor told me, he said, son, he said, do you believe in God? I said, there is a God, but I ain't friends with him. He said, well, son, nobody lives through this twice, let alone. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't live through it once, let alone twice. And here you are, living example of it. You're going to have to quit drinking or you're going to die. I was at full stage cirrhosis then. Uh, that didn't stop me. I got home, and uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm drinking again. I thought maybe if I, if I drink more uh, wild Irish Rose, it would be okay. Uh, but it wasn't. Um, my mother, uh, my mother was in the house uh, February thirteenth, two thousand fifteen, and uh, she fell. And uh, I'd been taking care of her. I was a good son. I was there all the time. I probably want the best person outside that home. But when I was in that home, I took care of my mom. She fell, and we called the ambulance, and they took her to the hospital. Um, we get up there, me and my nephew, and my family members are there. My family sees me shaking and sweating. And, you know, the world's going on with me. Some of them do, some of them don't. Um, I looked at my nephew. I said, Cameron, I'm going to the house. I got to go feed the cat. Um, 
I did. I did have a cat at the time. It was my drinking cat. Um, I loved him to death. Jake would be there by my side all the time. But I went home for one reason, one reason only. That's because I needed to take a drink. If not, they would have me in that hospital that night. Uh, the gig would have been up with all my other family members. But I wouldn't have cared about that. But I had to get home. I told Cameron to call me if anything happens to Grandma. She, uh, he called me that night, uh, the next morning, uh, Valentine's morning. That grandma's passed away. I sat on that couch and uh, it took me a while to even break a tear, knowing what I just did, walked away from. Um, I got a good friend of mine. She kind of has a similar uh, uh, thing that goes on. And I look back now, I'm thinking that uh, that God might, God might not have wanted me to be there to watch that happen. Um, so that might have been a reason. But I don't question what he does. I mean, he does what he does, and that's what I want. Um, so for the next 30 days, uh, I tried to commit suicide one day at a time. One day at a time. Uh, she gave me some money to pay the light bill about two or three days before she passed away. I didn't pay that because I went down other things with it. So there I am sitting in the house with no electricity. It's March, I mean February, and it's cold. Um, hadn't bathed in two or three weeks. Um, cats, he's doing his business everywhere. Um, I could probably have done it several times and not even known it but i'm doing things that are probably shouldn't be doing in that house and all of a sudden i'm sitting there in the recliner and i think it was raining i not quite sure but uh got a knock at the door and it was somebody that normally didn't come by she used to send me stuff when i was locked up in prison she'd send me bible verses it was my aunt from johnson candidates she loves her bible she stopped by to make sure i was okay that day i'll make sure i was doing all right and um she walked in and I told her, I said, Aunt Louise, I'm done with this. I'm going to walk out in the middle of 222. I'm going to let it go. Uh, he's taking her away now. He's taking my brother away now. My father, well before that, might as well take me now, too. She tapped her hand on my leg. She said, no, Earl, he's got work for you to do. And I just cringed at the thought that, you know what, maybe she might be right. Maybe I don't need to do this thing. Uh, the ambulance came and got me. Cameron said, uh, Uncle Roman, get you some help. Uh, they took me over uh, to the hospital, and it was a normal detox kind of thing. I was out in about six days. I thought I saw that uh, bright light experience like Bill Wilson had in the ambulance, but I come to find out it was just because they had a light on inside the ambulance at nighttime. <laughs> uh, so for a while, I thought that's what happened, but it won't. Um, I get dropped off in uh, Wilson at a halfway house. Um, I never heard of a halfway house. I didn't know what they were. I thought they were for mental patients, to tell you the truth. Uh, but they stuck me in this place, and for about the first week, um, the ambulance came to that house three different times to get me because I had problems with my with my insides. We did have a guy there who was an old-timer. Um, I say old-timer, old-timer in age, not sobriety. Uh, he was just an old cat. Um, but he did uh, show me a lot, and uh, he, he told me, Earl, if you don't do these things, man, you're probably going to die. So uh, I got introduced to uh, Alcott's Anonymous um, across the street from the halfway house. <clears throat> At that time, I was uh, about three shades of yellow. Um, I walked with a cane. Uh, my belly was so distended, it, it was pathetic. Um, I had draining uh, issues about it once every two or three weeks, it looked like. But I went to their meetings on a religious, a religious basis. Um, a dedicated basis, I meant to say. 
Um, we only had to do about four that week to stay in that house. That was a requirement. I went to an average about 15. And I'm not gloating up here. I'm just telling you, I'd had, I had to have sobriety. I had to have a better life. If I wanted what y'all had, that's what I had to do. And that, I had the convenience of being able to do that. Anytime the door opened, I was there. If I had, to, if it took me two hours to walk to an AA meeting, that's what I did. Um, it, it hurt, I tell you. Uh, but I got there. Uh, but I got introduced to a sponsor, and they said, uh, you need to find your sponsor and get your home group and everything. The home group I have today is the home group I've had since I've been sober. Um, I have been to a lot of meetings. Um, Wilson offers a lot of meetings. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know some, some of us have different opinions on meetings and groups, and I do too. But I can tell you what I needed that day was that meeting. If they threw up all over that floor, that was all right with me. I just needed somebody to hear what I had to throw up about. Um, and they listened. But uh, I got introduced to the primary purpose group, and uh, I love it to death. You know, uh, I was telling her, I think, tonight about uh, having a service position in my home group. And I'm standing there with, uh, with my cane, and we, we're probably on a good night, about 35, 40 strong, I guess. I wanted to have a service position. He said, well, you can take out the trash. I said, what is all right guy doing that? He said, well, you got to get closer to the trash can. <laughs> so when we did the Lord's Prayer, I'd sit over there by the, uh, trash, uh, by the trash can. We'd do the Lord's Prayer, and as soon as we dropped hands, I grabbed that thing and went to run. Because <laughs> I knew if I kept doing the things they kept telling me to do, I was going to be, I should be okay. Remember that home group member told me, he said, you'll never have to be alone again. Um, just, uh, just come on in, man, and, and sit on down, sit way on down, and just stay this time. You know, I hear a lot of people say, uh, keep coming back at work, see if you're working. I could care less to hear that stuff. Just, just me. Um, I need to get somewhere and stay. I can't keep coming back. I don't have opportunity to come back. Uh, you know, I, I look at it this way. I have that happy, uh, a happy fear of uh, dying. Uh, I don't want to die. So I have a fear of that, but it's a happy fear, you know, because, uh, but God, God's taken that away from me. But that sponsor showed me a, a new way of living. Uh, and you know, I told him about me and God not having the best, uh, relationship. Uh, it was about a month or two in and, uh, I had an experience with a, uh, one of my housemates. He was going to the, uh, drugstore that day and I was walking behind him with my cane like I normally do every morning, go get my coffee and my newspaper. And I saw this individual going into a convenience store and getting him a beer. And he walked behind that bill and I saw him lift up that 40. And it looked so good that day. And I mean, I could see the glistenings of it. And I was from here to that fence out there. But I knew right then and there, there was a reason that God exists. Um, I turned myself around and I was sweating bullets, but I turned around and hobbled back to that halfway house as fast as I could go. And I said, let me tell you what Johnny's doing down there. <laughs> I said, because if he comes back and I smell that alcohol on Scott, I'm going to get drunk today. I guarantee you that. There's no doubt about it. Um, so now, th that's when I kind of, when I worked with my sponsor and told him all that stuff that happened that day, he said, what do you think about God now? I said, I think, there's, I think we can get this going again, you know. Um, one day at a time since then, it's gotten better and better. You know, I, 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 uh, I was telling River, you know, I, I do a, I, I remember hearing Jerry say it a while back, you know, action activity. I keep my feet moving. Uh, if you're new here, I, I don't know if you are or not, but, uh, you keep your feet moving, your head will fall, I promise you. 
um, it will. And you know, I kept kept my feet moving. I love uh, doing service work. I love going to meetings. I uh, River City sees me everywhere. I see you everywhere. So we must be doing something right. We're both still sober today. Um, you know, I hold a position in my home group. I think I'm the uh, alternate GSR. Uh, I think I am. Uh, I was there for the last business meeting. I heard something like that, but I ain't sure. Um, I uh, I go into the prisons when I'm asked to go in. Uh, our group, for some reason, we just don't have a, a prison coordinator person. But I go in with some other groups in our district, though. Uh, we go into the treatment centers, and I love going into the treatment centers. I never stayed a day in my life in a treatment center. Well, I did one time, but I called him out and let me out early. Uh, but uh, I love going into places. I love working with new guys. Uh, I love that book being opened up. I love that line being read. Rarely have we seen a person fail, but thoroughly followed our path. And you know, he asked me, uh, my sponsor asked me, he said, are you willing to go to any lengths? He said, uh, are you willing to give it away? I said, well, I ain't got no problem with that, Lee. I really don't. Uh, you know, if this is going to keep me sober, that's what I need to do. And you know, God's, God has kind of turned that knob on me, I think, when uh, after I saw that guy that day drinking that beer. Uh, I lost that desire that afternoon. I knew I never wanted to have another drink or, or drug or anything in my body from that day on. And, you know, it's kind of worked out well doing what I'm doing one day at a time. I, uh... I currently got uh, a new sponsee, and uh, it's, you know, I'm not a big Zoom fan, but I, I know it's working while we're here, and it has its benefits and, and has its negatives, I guess. Um, but I actually had a sponsee call me on the phone and uh, asked me to work with him. <laughs> Luckily, he lives in Wilson, but if he didn't, I don't know what we do, but I said, I just give him a few ideas to do. I said, uh, call me five, six, seven days in a row. Let's see. Build that relationship together. He said, well, can I go to the Zoom meetings that I want to? I said, well, let's stick with these first few first. Uh, just make sure there's a healthy message that you're going to hear. Um, so he's he's uh, he's doing well. Uh, he was going to ride with me tonight, but uh, he gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I told him it might be a little late before we get back. But uh, he's part of the primary purpose group, too. Um, the uh, I guess the, the things that I love today, I know... I don't talk a lot about my job, what I do for a living. Um, I don't think it's really a whole lot uh, necessary, but uh, sometimes I like to. Um, you know, I, that halfway house that I talked about that I got dumped off at like a child, um, you know, I went through that thing and I was a, a resident of that place about eight months. You know, I, I, I come and six months of Friday, I was ready to go back to Charleston until that director and my sponsor said, I don't think it's a wise idea. One, you're broke. <laughs> and two, you're going to drink again if you go. So I stuck around, and for some reason, uh, I prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. And uh, I'm actually able to run that halfway house today. Um, and I love it. It's, it's a God job to me. You know, I love working with guys. I got a group of alcoholics every day I get to work. Uh, how much fun is that? Uh, I get new drunks and old drunks and repeat, repeat drunks, you name it. Um, so it's a cool gig. Um, I wouldn't give it up for, the, for the nothing um, unless God decides one day he wants to move me somewhere else and then I'll take off then. Um, you know, I, I, after I told you I had all them DWIs, of course you can't have a license for a while in the state of North Carolina. I went about 12 years and didn't have one, legally. 
Um, but when I finally got sober, that's, that was the day I started putting everything in line, you know. I need to get my health back right. I need to get this back right. I need to get, with advisement of my sponsor, I didn't do all this by myself. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to manage no checkbook, let alone, I knew how to write a bad one. But I didn't know how to manage one. Um, I've heard him say it before, a couple dollar check. Yeah, I went to jail one day for a two dollar check too. Um, ended up being a $185 check. But uh, I had to have them things shown to me because I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to live by myself. Um, I was always underneath my mother's thumb. Um, I could do stuff outside of that home without her, but it was stuff I didn't need to be doing. So, uh, yeah, everything that I've got today is, uh, is God's uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and, and you guys. Uh, and me just keeping, keep doing the things I'm doing one day at a time. You know, you know I, I, uh, I heard something one time, and it's a speaker out of Baltimore, Stu. I'm sure you probably know Stu out of Baltimore. And he said, you know, it's the, uh, it's the wounds that got me here. It's the scars that's going to keep me here. And, you know, I got a scar on my belly that shows me every morning that, you know, what this is, the, what, this is what alcoholism did to me. So I, that's a good, healthy reminder. Every time I get out the shower, I see that scar. So I want to thank you all for having me. Uh, thank you, River, for inviting me. And uh, that's all I got. All right.